at me real quick. Just put a big smile on your face. Yeah, there you go. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you this morning, my God, that you will not fail from moving, but you will back up everything I say, Father, because I say not what I want to say, but what you have for me to say. And I thank you, and I ask you to open our eyes and our ears and our heart to receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Now, before I get into the scripture, I want to read you some statistics today. I want to ask you a question. What is the need for a father? Right? What's the point? Because society today is trying to get the message out, we don't need you. It's quiet, but it's right. We don't need you. Society today is trying to take the nature of being a male, come on, have a masculinity and saying, we don't need that anymore. We don't want you to be like that anymore. And so we see a trend going on today in the whole world. We see a whole trend going on of people stripping the role of what it is to be a man. Stripping the role of what it is to be a father. And most importantly, stripping the role of what it is to be a man of God. Somebody talk to me. I want to read you some statistics this morning, okay? Now, it says 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Five times the average of two-parent homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes, which is 32 times the average rate of a regular household. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, which is 20 times the average of a regular family. Now, it says 71% of all high school dropouts come from what? You guessed it. Fatherless homes, which is nine times the average of a normal household. Let's look at drugs for a moment. 68% are more likely, 68% are more likely to smoke, drink, use drugs compared to all teens in two-parent households. Teens in single mother households are 30% higher risk of those with two parent households. Now, it says 70% of the youth in state operated institutions are from fatherless homes, which is nine times the average. Now, listen to this 85% of all youth in prison comes from fatherless homes. 20 times the average of a normal household. 71% of pregnant teenagers lack a father. Mm. And I told you earlier, suicides are 63% with fatherless homes. So what are you trying to say in here this morning? I'm saying the world says we don't need fathers. Right? Right? That's what they say. 
They might not come out directly and say, we don't want you, but that's the message. The message today is, we don't want you to have your role. We don't want you to be a male figure and to have masculinity. We don't want this today. But you see here, the statistics don't lie, do they? The statistics are scary when we look at it, and it paints a picture that although the world says we don't need fathers in the home today, God says we need fathers in the home today. We need, come on, somebody. We need some male figures in the home. We need some men of God in the home. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, read with me right here. Verse 6, it says right here, it says, And these words which I command thee this day, which I command thee this day, shall be in your heart, that you shall teach them diligently unto whom? And you shall talk with them when you sit in thine house. And you shall walk by the way, and when thou walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you riseth up. Now, how can we change the statistics? How can we change? Listen, how can we prove the haters wrong? Because I don't know about you, but as a father in here this morning, that angers me. Come on, that angers me. And maybe some of you, you are, will soon to be a father on down the road. Let me tell you something. That should anger you. I'll tell you why it should anger you. Because, listen, the statistics. We've got a world that's dying and going to hell, and a lot of it is due to fatherless homes. Come on. Now, how do I, listen though, but how do I change the statistics? Let me tell you how I have to change it. I have to step up and man up. Come on. You was agreeing with me earlier. You were shouting earlier. But if you want the statistics to change, if you want to prove your haters wrong, let me tell you what you got to do. You got to put your big boy pants on and go about it anyways. That's what you got to do. You got to man up. The world says you won't stay faithful to your wife. The devil is a liar. I'm going to prove them wrong. The world says the, the fathers are always running out on their children. The devil is a liar. I'm going to prove them wrong in the name of Jesus. Now let me tell you something. You can't do this without God's help. The only way you're going to do this is by the power of the Holy Spirit arising inside of you. Let me tell you something. A lot of times, we want to put forth all the work over to the mothers as far as teaching the children. Come on. You teach them about God. You teach them about this. You make sure they go to church. Now, if you look around in here today, there's not a whole lot of men in here. Not a whole lot of fathers. And you see that in most of your churches, the majority of the people are women. Where y'all at? If we want, listen, we can stand around and we can sit and we can complain. Well, you know, they don't let me be me and they don't let me take the role in my marriage and blah, 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 blah. Or you can get up and do something about it. Listen, you want your children to raise up in the house of God? You make sure they get there yourself. It's not your wife's job to do it. It's your job. 
Come on, somebody. It is your job. It's your job to make sure that your children are learning about the things of God. It is your job to make sure your kids learn how to praise Him and learn how to worship Him. It's your job. Notice what he said. He said, when you sit in your home, tell them about Jesus. When you're up and about and you're walking, tell them about Jesus. You know what I like to put on that right there? They should see I love God by the way I walk. Oh, come on, church. They should see how, to, how a godly man should be by the way I carry myself throughout the day. In my job, whether you're at school, whether you're at work, whether you're in the church house, or whether you're just doing your hobby, they should see what a man of God is by the way you walk. And notice what else it said at the end. It said, when you, sit, when you lay down and when you get up. You could take that two different ways. You could say he's talking about when you go to sleep and when you get up in the morning. But something else jumped out at me. Here's what jumped out at me. Even when you fall down. Oh, church, come on. Even when you fall down, show them how to get back up. Come on, show them not how to be a quitter, but show them. Listen, sometimes life hits you. Sometimes things hit you, and it might knock you down. But I read in my Bible, a righteous man may fall seven times, but yet shall he arise. Come on, somebody. Yet shall he arise. We got to show our children how not to give up, even when it gets tough. Come on, are you showing them that you'll go as long as everything's good, but when things start getting bad, it's time to call it quits? Come on. Especially today in this society, we've got this attitude that we're winners all the time. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets an award. But let me tell you something. There's only one winner. Sorry, there's only one winner. If you didn't win, hey, have a better chance at it next year. But don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in a towel. You didn't make it. Listen, if you're letting your kids play sports or whatever, don't let them miss church. Come on. Somebody say God's more important than sports. But if you're letting your kids play sports, watch this. Even if they didn't make the basket, even if they didn't hit the ball, Listen, teach them how not to quit. You say, how can I teach them? By my everyday life. When things, when problems come up, when circumstances come up, listen, don't throw in the towel and say, I'm done with this thing. I'm giving up and I'm walking away because that's exactly what the world says you do. When it gets tough, when it gets too hard, you want to walk away. Uh-uh. I'm not walking away from this. Come on. Come on. It's called responsibility. It's called manning up. Happy Father's Day. Come on, that's what it is. You got to man up. So I teach them when I fall down, but I also teach them when I get back up. Come on, somebody. You see, so many times, us fathers, we think we're going to fail everybody. We think we're going to fail our wife. We think, we think we're going to fail our kids. But let me tell you something. The only way you really fail your family is when you give up. 
is when you quit trying. Is when you throw in the towel. That's the only way you give up. But if you are doing everything you can, let me tell you what's going to happen. God's going to honor that. If you're doing everything you can to provide for your family, God's going to honor that. Come on. My goodness. Somebody say, Happy Father's Day. Go to Proverbs 3. It says, My son, despise not the chastising or the chastening of the Lord. Neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Even as a father, the son, in whom what? He delighteth. Now you can look at this scripture two different ways. Again, you can look at this scripture that God is telling you, you better make sure you keep your children in check. And that's exactly right. Somebody say, ain't nothing wrong with whipping them. Come on. Ain't nothing wrong with correcting there's nothing wrong with teaching your kids not to be heathens. Come on. Nothing wrong with it. Because let me tell you something. If you don't do these things, you're going to be sorry. Because then the world's got to deal with them. Or you can look at it another way. The Bible says... Don't despise when God corrects you. Don't, and I'm telling you, it hurts. I'm telling you, nothing hurts like God correcting you. It hurts. But God said, God said, son, daughter, don't despise it when I correct you. Because here's the good news. If you wasn't mine... I wouldn't be correcting you. But the reason why I'm correcting you is because I love you and because I want you to be the best that you can be. I remember when I was little, my mom would always say, now why does mommy whip you? And she had me brainwashed to say, because you love me. The devil is a lie. No. Fathers, teach your children. Sometimes teaching means discipline. Show them what it means. Listen, show them what it means to have respect. Show them what it means to do the right thing. Show them what it means to have honor. And let me tell you something. You might think that if you correct your child, they're not going to love you. You might think that if you correct your child, that when they get older, they're not going to respect you. Let me tell you what's going to happen. I told you, you can look at it a different way. I'm telling you that if you teach that child now, when that child gets older, he's going to delight in you. Oh, gee, there it was. He's going to delight in you. He's going to respect. You know, he's going to come and say, my, I thank God that my father raised me like he did. Because now I can see. I might not have seen it right at that moment, but now I can see that he was keeping me from destruction. He was keeping me from a painful life. So right now, let me encourage you. 
It might not be easy right now. Come on. It hurts when you have to correct your children because they start crying and, and their the heart's broken. It hurts right now. But you, let me tell you something. It would hurt a whole lot more that when they get older, they bring shame to your name. Oh, come on. Somebody say, this is good. So what am I saying? You know what's great about a father? Now, this is something I've learned, and I've studied and seen this, that so many times kids are not looking so much for the approval of their mother. Look at these mothers here. <laughs> but they really aren't. But it's always to see if they can please their dad. You ever notice that? Oh, man, I can't wait to show dad this. Or I can't wait to tell dad that. And they see, why is that? Because it's wired into us just as we want to get the approval of our heavenly father. Come on. If you're saved in here this morning, if you're running after God, it should be your heart's desire to please him. To put a smile on his face. That's the same way we do with our earthly fathers. We want to please them. We want to put a smile. There's nothing like dad, dad saying, I'm proud of you. Come on. It's good when mama says it, but when daddy says it, man, the whole world's going around. You know, there's one scripture in the Bible. It says, when the king smiles. Yeah, I just called y'all king. Somebody shout. When the king smiles, everything has favor on it. Everything is blessed. So I'm telling you this morning that your children are seeking your approval. So you know what I've learned? Verbal affirmation. Say, what's verbal affirmation? It's telling your kids, I love you. It's, sometimes it's hard for fathers. Come on. Sometimes it's hard for us because we're not like that. But it's telling your kids, hey, I'm proud of you. I love you. You're doing good. Keep going. Words of encouragement. I'm telling you, I'm telling you something right now. That means more to them than anything else you can do. Is when you encourage. And let me tell you what you should do. Don't encourage them to run after anything they want to. No, 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 no. Don't say this junk. You can be whatever you want to be. No, 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 no. That's what the world says. You say you can be anything God said you can be. Come on, because before I was ever in my mother's womb, God had already chosen me for a specific thing in my life. So I need to be telling my children, listen, you can be everything that God said you can be. And I will get behind you, and I will teach you, and I will direct your path to that. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You won't have any problem seeing your kids do just that. Because the Bible says if you train them in the way that they should go. I didn't say tell them. Show them. When you train somebody, you show them. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm fixing to preach now. I said when you train somebody, you show them. We do a good job of talking about it, but we do a lousy job of doing it. Come on. 
They should be seeing daddy go to church just as much as they see mommy. They should see daddy raising his hands and praising God just as much as they see mommy. They should see daddy praying just as much as they see mama praying. And the Bible says when you do that, when that child is older, it will not depart. It didn't say he or she will run out in the world for a little bit. Uh Uh-uh. That's what the world teaches you. That's what religion teaches you. Oh, now just chain the child the way it should go, and one day we will finally come back to Jesus. The devil is a liar. I I rebuke that. My child is not going to go out into the world. But I prophesy over my children that they're going to serve God all the days of their life. They're going to stay devoted to Him because I'm not going to give them religion. I'm going to offer them relationship. And so you know what's going to happen? When you offer your kids relationship, they're not going to say, Mommy, I'm bored. I want to go to the other church where they let us play games all day. What would you learn about Jesus? Nothing, but I got to play games. But if you offer them relationship, hey, you can know God for yourself. You see Daddy talking to God? You can do it too. Oh, man. I'm telling you. Because, you see, that's a child's heart. He He or she wants to do what Daddy's doing or what Mama's doing. They want to do those things. So if they see you praising God, they'll want to praise God. If they see you praying and seeking the face of God, they're going to want to do it. Why? Because it's built into them. Just like it's supposed to be built into you. You are not God's adult. Some of y'all hit that. Come on. You're not God's adult. You're his child. That means you are to be as a child. I didn't say act like a child. Some, some in the church acting like a child. How do, I act like a chi- how do I be like a child? A child believes anything his daddy tells him. If God tells me, I believe it. Even if he corrects me. You notice, even if you correct a child, a few minutes later, they're still loving on you again. That's how we ought to be with God. Because we know he's only doing what's best for us. Mm. So again, let this sink in. Your children are seeking your approval. They're seeking, they're listen, they're seeking for your guidance. So therefore, guess what? You can either make them or break them. Mm-mm-mm. Go to Ephesians 5, 25. It said, husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Mary, there you go. Yes, Lord. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own what? He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Hold on, what did that say? He that loveth his wife loves himself. I love me. Come on. You do too. You love you. 
You love me also, right? He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. I ain't been hating on me. Come on. But nourisheth it and cherish it. Even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bone. Isn't that what Adam said to Eve? She is flesh of my flesh. She is bone of my bone. You know, God is saying that about the church. Oh, Lord. Mm. You say, why did you read all that? I know it's Father's Day. But to be a good father, I got to show him what it's like to be a good husband. Oh, that means being faithful to my wife. That means loving her. <laughs> that means loving her as I love myself. Now, the Bible says that Jesus cares for the church. So, and it says that we are to care for our wives as Jesus cares for the church. So therefore, how do, what does that mean? We take care of our wives by loving them. By, listen, by protecting them. By providing for them. And you see, listen, you want your role in the home? The Bible says you are the head. Come on. Come on, man. I just set you free. You're the head. That means you're the head honcho. That means you give out the orders and the whole house is supposed to follow to it. But guess what? That also means you have the most responsibility. That if anything goes wrong, it's coming back on you. We are to love our... Listen, when I teach my children how to love my wife, when I teach them what a father does, that not only a father loves his children, not only a father takes care of them and teaches them the things of God, but a father also loves his wife, which is the other part of him. You're not two. Paul said this is a great mystery. It is. It is a mystery how two different wills how two different emotions. Come on. <laughs> Some of y'all remember first year of marriage, don't you? Praise God. Praise God. Lots of fights, lots of arguments, right? Oh, y'all ain't never done that. Excuse me. Hold on. Why? Because it was two wills becoming one. Two emotions coming one. Look at Tammy. She's like, yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Two becoming one. It's not always easy. It's the same thing when you get saved. The Bible says when you get saved, you are to become one with Christ in spirit. That means your will has to die. Why? Because he's your head. Mm. My emotions have to submit under his emotions. That means I can't act any way I want to. But I need to act like I should. But you see, you're training up the next generation of family. Are you understand? Listen, 
That's easy for you to understand if you have a son, but even if you also have a daughter, you dads in here this morning, you're training, listen, you're training your daughter not to settle for anything less. You're training her. This is how a man should treat his wife. So therefore, when she gets older and she gets married at about 68, Yeah. When she gets married at about 68 years old, guess what? She's going to look for a husband that treats their wife just like you treated your wife. Uh-oh. I hope you've been treating your wife. Come on. Again, that might not always happen. Sometimes you get into arguments. Come on. It's usually right before church. Somebody shout. Sometimes, listen, sometimes you come in disagreement. But there's that first scripture again. Teach them when you lie up, when you fall down, teach them when you get back up. Teach them how to come back and say, hey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Or you were wrong. Somebody was wrong. But teach them. And when you do that, listen, you're teaching them the next generation. That takes me to my next scripture. Go to Ephesians 5.23. It says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. You said you just talked about that. But listen to this. Us men, we want that title, don't we? Come on. You want that title. You want that respect. But let me tell you something. You have to lead by example. You say, how do I lead by example? You have a head also. His name is Jesus Christ. And it, Come on, somebody. And if you're, listen, if you're not showing your wife how to submit under leadership, how do you expect her to submit under leadership? That's good right there, even if you don't agree. How do you expect, if she don't see you giving your heart to God, you say a no to yourself and yes unto him. How do you expect her to do the same? And it, all, it goes on down the line. How, then how do you expect your children to respect leadership? Let me tell you something. There's nothing I can't stand worse than when I'm in public and I see a child being the mommy and daddy. You say, what do you mean? I mean, when I see a child telling the mommy and daddy what to do. Mm-mm. I know Tammy starts shaking. <laughs> Tammy's like, I ain't coming no more. I can't stand that. Because that is total chaos in ordership. I've heard so many, listen, you hear so many times, well, I was going to do this, but my kids didn't want to do it. Say what? God said I'm supposed to go here, but, but my kids, what would you say? You are to govern your kids. If it was up to you, you don't, you don't teach them that way when it comes to food. 
Your kids don't come to you and say, Mommy, I want chocolate for breakfast. Daddy, I want, I want some candy for breakfast. Okay. You don't do that, do you? Then why do you do it with the things of God? Oh, well, you know, my child just doesn't want to read the Word. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was up to the child. My child doesn't want to go to my church. They want to go to another. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought y'all were a family. And the mama and daddy says, we're going to church. Huh? You've heard people say so many times, I had a drug problem going up. I was drugged to church here. I was drugged to church there. Right? It's funny right now, but I'm done. It ain't funny seeing it. It's total chaos. It'd be no different than us coming in here, not praising God, not worshiping Him, and just sit here and say, God, do this right now. Do this right now. Do that right now. That would be crazy, right? It's the same way when it comes to the household. The father should be in command. That means, guess what? It's your responsibility to set the atmosphere of your household. Let me say it like this. Your spiritual atmosphere. That means, oh my goodness. That means if your family is not serving God, God's going to look at you and say, what's the problem? My goodness. Go to Mark real quick. Mark 9, 17 through 21. We got it up there? We don't got it up there. All right. But anyways, listen. There was a demon-possessed boy, and his father took him to the, to the apostles, to the disciples, to cast out the demon, but they couldn't do it. So Jesus comes down from the transfiguration and says, What's the commotion? And the father tells him the story, and he rebukes the disciples for their lack of faith. Then the man tells Jesus what's going on with his boy. And watch this. Jesus turns to the father, not the mother, turns to the father and says, How long has he been like this? In other words, he was saying, Hey, What's the problem in the home? Why is your son like this? You've seen me do the example of the order of the home, right? You've seen how I had people lined up, and I'm not going to do that again today. But listen to this. Why is it? Listen, if you get the head, you get everything, right? The devil knows this also. You get a godly father in the home... You're going to get everything else. If he takes his role as he should be, what is his role? Let me tell you something. You say, well, my wife's not saved. She's not. Let me tell you something. It's your job to say, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. We're going to church today. If i got to drag you out, we're going to church today. Come on. We are going to church. We are going to serve God. We are going to have godliness in our home, and we're not putting up with foolishness. I tell you that when that happens, the rest of it is going to fall into place. And the devil knows this. So you know what? Guess what? What does he attack most? The head. 
the head. Why? Because if you get the head, you get everything else. And can I say something this morning? He's doing a good job because look around. Ain't a whole lot of heads in here. Ain't a whole lot of fathers in here. And why? Because if you get the head, then all the other, it's going to be hard for them to fall into place. So I'm telling you today, yeah, you might be the head of the house, but that means you have the most responsibility. Can I tell you, it's not up to your wife to make sure the kids go to church. It's your job. It's not up to your wife to make sure that everybody in the family is serving God. It's your job. You are the head. And if anything comes attacking your family, it has to go to you first. So if it makes it to your wife and to your children, who's Jesus going to come to? How long have they been like this? I don't see money, most of y'all going, I'm the head. I don't see that no more. But here's another note. Wives in here this morning. Get behind your husbands. Encourage them. You've heard me say it a million times. You know how men work. You know that if you try to chop them down, they're going to shut down. But if you encourage them, and listen, here's the, here's the greatest advice that I can give to women, to wives. Let him have his identity in Christ. What's his identity? His identity is to be the head of the home. His identity is to be the provider. His identity, listen, is to be the frame of the home. He is the structure of the household. I said before, you are the glue. You are the nails that hold it together. So listen, if you're not falling into your place in the household, you're taking the nails out of the frame. And guess what's going to happen? This frame is coming down. Come on. So it really, guess what? It really works for your benefit. So many times we think that submitting means we're going to lose out. But let me tell you what's going to happen. You're really going to gain. It's the same thing with God. I could sit here and say, I'm not going to submit to God because I'll be losing out. But in reality, the more I submit to God, the more I gain. Are you hearing me? So the more, listen, wives, I know what you really want. You didn't wait, listen, you didn't grow up saying, I want, I want to take care of a guy. You didn't say that. I, I want to go make him all kinds of money. You didn't say that. Sarah's like, I know I didn't. You didn't say that. Because that's not how you're wired by God. God wired you. To want a care a caretaker. He wired you to want a provider. He wired you to want a strong man. You heard me say last time, if you're a real woman, you should want a real man. And if you're a real man, you should want a real woman. Come on. You should want that. So when the family operates as God does it, it is a strong fortress. 
you get the frame and then you get the nails holding it together, it's a strong fortress. That even though storms come, even though the wind blows, no matter what comes its way, it is staying firm in place. You know that's exactly how a home of God should work. When a man has taken his rightful place, when a woman has taken her rightful place, when the children are at the place that they should be, that home is a fortress in God. And no matter what the enemy sends their way, it will not be shaken and it will not be moved. Come on. Why are families dying off like never before? Because the world says we don't want God's approval of the family. We want what we think best. The only, the only marriage God sees is between one man and one woman. That's it. In His eyes, you say, well, I don't care. I don't... It doesn't matter what you believe. He's got the final say-so. So therefore, guess what? In his, high, in his eyes, no other marriage exists. None. The first covenant that God ever made was marriage. You think he's going to disgrace that? No, sir. No, ma'am. Let's go on. Ephesians 6. It says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That Greek right there, the Greek word for that is paideia. And listen to what this means. Write this down. It means to wholly train and to educate children, cultivating their mind and morals. Ooh, I love that. Let me say it again. To wholly train and educate your children. To cultivate their mind and morals and discipline them. What does that say? That means teach them how to pray. Meaning you don't just say pray. You show them. Teaching them how to praise God. Teaching them how to seek His face. Teaching them, as I said earlier, that even though when things hit you, it might knock you down, it might knock you back, but you get up and you go again. Teaching them. And it's correcting them. The Bible says, now listen, the Bible says that foolishness is locked inside of a heart or a child's heart. And you know that. A child does not come out of the womb knowing how to do the right thing. But they come out knowing how to do the wrong thing. Nobody had to teach you to blame somebody else for it instead of you taking the blame. It came natural. Come on. But that's why, listen, that's why our discipline and correction is so important. We got to show our children, listen, it's not okay to do the wrong thing. Yes, there is forgiveness afterwards. There is grace afterwards. But listen, we should be teaching our children there's also a price. Come on. 
There's also a price. So when we educate them, when we cultivate, I love that word right there, cultivating their mind. What does that mean? Teaching them to have a godly mindset. Oh, I love that. Listen to me, fathers. Teaching your children to have a godly mindset. Watch what you say. Don't say things like, that scared me to death. That ain't biblical. Come on. I'm worrying myself to death. That ain't biblical. See, we throw these sayings around and we don't realize what we're saying. But the Bible says power of death and life is in our tongues, right? So we need to watch what we're saying. That's part of cultivating our mind. Listen, when something bad goes wrong, and I'm guilty of this, don't kick something. I didn't say a person, I just kicked something. Don't kick something. Don't go into, don't get angry about it. But do the right thing. You say, what's, it's the little things that matter. It's the little things that are important. So many times we think, oh, it's only the big things. No, it's the everyday things in life. Listen, when you eat, when you sit down to eat a meal, pray over it. Pray over it. You, you're supposed to be saved and you're not praying over your meal? Even people that don't know anything about God pray over their meal. That's bad, church. Teach your children to pray over their meal. Little things. Teach them. Listen, you know what my children do? They say, Daddy, it's time for you to go pray, isn't it? I love that. Because you see, they've seen that example. They've learned from that. Wouldn't it be awesome if your children knew when you was going to go pray? Because you were that faithful to prayer. You were that consistent to spending time with God. I'm telling you, you can have that. You can have that this morning. It's not hard. I know, I know, listen. I know everybody makes it seem like raising kids is impossible. It's not impossible. When God's help is in it, listen... When you're doing things God's way, it's not hard. When we take our place this morning and we cultivate our children's mind to learn, to make them learn how to think like God thinks and not like the world does. I told you, you get the head, you get everything else. Huh. Go to Psalm 68. It says, God will be a father to the fatherless. A judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. You hear me say this all the time, and I'll say it again. Maybe you're in here this morning, and you did not have a good example of a father. Don't let that be an excuse. Don't let that be a card for you to run out on your wife or to run out on your family. Don't let that be that. Because I'm telling you, the only one that has to approve of your actions is, listen, let me say it like this. The only one who has to answer for your actions is you. 
That means I cannot stand before God and say, well, I didn't teach my children. I didn't lead my home as I should because my daddy didn't do it. God's going to say, again, why didn't you do it? You see, the great thing about God is, is like I said on Mother's Day, if you didn't have a great mother, if she wasn't in your life, if you didn't have a great father, if he wasn't in your life, here's the great thing. You have a heavenly father. That is perfection. He is the perfect father. He is the example that we are striving to be as earthly fathers. That he will teach you. He will show you what a father is. And he will get you in the right mindset that your earthly father might have polluted. He will get you in that right mindset and he will teach you. Let me tell you something. You can break the cycle this morning. Come on. You can break the cycle. I don't care if your grandfather, your dad, or whoever went through it. You can say enough is enough today. I'm not doing it. But as for me and my house, I am setting the standard. My whole lineage might have not served God and done wicked things, but it stops with me. Come on, men. It stops with me. There might be generational curses running through my family, but it stops with me. You see, the enemy's hoping you don't take charge. The enemy's hoping you don't take your place. That's why he's trying to kill the male role. That's why he's trying to take masculinity out of everything. Because if he can kill the role of the man, he's got everything else. Come on, church. He's got everything else. Again, I told you. As you can see in this church, and I guarantee you every church in this whole nation, there's more women here today than there is men. You can change that. You can defy the statistics. You can say, I'm not going to be just another one that falls along the wayside. But I'm going to be different. I decide to go against the grain. I'm deciding to go against the current. I'm deciding to shatter opinions. Go to the last scripture. I need y'all to read this one. Steve, come on up and play. It says, And he shall go before him in spirit and in power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to what? Their children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There's another scripture similar to this in Malachi. That says, fathers would turn their hearts again to their children, and vice versa. And then he goes on to say, if this does not happen, the nation will be destroyed. That's good. I asked you earlier, what's the big deal about a father? What's so important? You know, this whole country could be turned around if fathers would step up to the plate. Oh, goodness. If fathers would step up to the plate and be men of God. I told you, it starts at the head. 
this is wrong, this is wrong. That might be. But it starts at the head. Do you understand what you can do? Take me for example. I'm living a godly life. I'm training my children in the way that they should go. My household is in the ordership of God. Do you know what that's doing? My children are going to touch nations. Their children are going to touch nations. So on and so on and so on. You see, you might have two or three children. Do you know what you can do with just two or three children? You can change nations. My God, church. You've heard me say before. You know what God needs to change a nation? To change a people? One person. One person. He delivered an entire people out of Egypt with one man. My God. He established Israel as a world power with one man, David. And then his son, one man, went on to do even greater. Became the richest man that has ever lived. And you telling me you can't make a difference? Somebody say, it starts with me today. If I want to see things around me change, then it starts with me. You want to see this nation change? You want to see the world change? It starts with you. Start with leading your family. I love that. It said our hearts will be turned to our kids. We should give them attention. And I know you're busy. I understand that. You got work. You got a million things on you in your mind. I understand that. But we still should pay attention to our kids. And again, like I told you, verbal affirmation. Let them know you love them. Let them know you are proud of them. Let them know that they can be who God has called them to be. Because I'm telling you, your kids are looking for that. And if you don't give it, watch this. The world will. Oh, man. But here's the difference. The world will give it to whatever they can get out of it. If you can give the world something, then they'll give you affirmation. But the minute that you can no longer give it, you're nothing. Whew. Let's stand to your feet this morning. My God. Hallelujah. You are the spiritual leaders of your house. 